What's up, guys? My name is Sam, and I'm the creator and host of Creme de la Crime podcast. The mission of this show is to bring awareness to unsolved missing persons cases from all across the country. In the United States, 600,000 adults and children are reported missing every single year. Although most are quickly found, there are still tens of thousands that remain missing for more than one year. As of 2022, there are still more than 17,000 unsolved missing persons cases and 13,000 unidentified body cases across the United States that remain open. For the first year, I'm going alphabetical order by state and talking about cases involving all ages, races, and backgrounds. Don't forget to subscribe and join me every single Thursday to hopefully help bring these people home. Hey guys, before our show today, I wanted to let you know that this episode was pre-recorded before the overturning of Roe v. Wade. I tell you this now because in the episode, we discuss a woman in the 1970s who received backlash due to her choices from an unplanned pregnancy. We mentioned in the show how thankful we are that today we as women have the right to choose. With the changes happening in our country right now, we decided to put this disclaimer out there so our listeners are aware of when we recorded and why our statements are off of the reality right now. Ladies, we stand with you, we love you, and we believe that we have the right to make our own choices for our own bodies. With that being said, on with the show, and we hope you enjoy today's episode. I'm Carmen. And I'm Joanna. And this is, what is this? Live, laugh, murder. Murder! Joanna, yes, I oh have God. something special for you today. I'm ready. Okay, let's see if this works. Oh, Mariah. Today is a special day. Christmas in July. <laughs> today. Christmas. Get it, girl. Today's Christmas in July episode. That means we have a Christmas themed horror story Yay. for you. Yay. 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 And I'm so excited Same. to get into it. But first, it's Florida Man, right? Yes. What do you got for me? Well, this story is sent to me from our friend Becky. Hey, Becky. Hey, Becky. How are you? How's your hair? Becky, <laughs> Becky with the with good the, hair. With the good hair. Okay, I'm so, ready. All right. I always save the heading... It's not the heading. What do they call it? The title. The title? Yeah. Sure. This is um, coming to you from Okeechobee. <gasps> okay. A Florida man is trading his utterly <sighs> impressive cow print pajamas for a jailhouse jumpsuit. Hold at- on. Hold on. You co- air quoted utterly. Is it uh, U-D-D-E-R? It's utters? Yeah. Like okay. a cow. Okay, utters. for a jumpsuit. Uh, after being arrested on drug and ammunition charges earlier this week, hmm. he's in a cow print pajamas. Cow print pajamas. He and the cuff and the collar is pink. Okay, why? And he is full of tattoos. He's got tattoos all over his face, on top of his head. He almost <laughs> he almost looks like a CT from the challenge. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I love you. I'll show you his picture in a second. Okay. According to the Okeechobee County Sheriff's Office, Richard Anthony Bonnell, Bonnell, uh-huh. Bonnell, sure, was one of six people taken into custody when deputies executed a narcotic search warrant at an Okeechobee home on Friday. Deputies say Bonnell, I'm assuming I'm saying that wrong, who was dressed to impress oh. in black and white pajamas set a set uh-huh. with pink trim oh, and a pink hat appeared confused when they arrested him for possession of methamphetamine. Fe- feminine, <laughs> One more time. Say, nope. Methamphetamines. Yep, thank you. Possession of drug paraphernalia uh-huh. and possession of ammunition by a convicted felon. Wow. Five other people at the home were also arrested on drug-related charges. <laughs> In the post on the Okeechobee County Sheriff's office facebook page that was a mouthful Mm. the agency recommended that anyone wanting to deal drugs in this county may want to consider moving (laughs) it has five six o's yeah so the title of this article is florida man in cow pajamas among six arrested on drug charges now i'm gonna show you were the others dressed in other animal costumes i think his just stood out and that's why it made going to jail dressed as a cow could you matt you want to see the picture yeah oh he does look like ct Right? Oh, look at his pajamas. Oh, those are tighter than I imagined. <laughs> CT does live in Florida. He does. He lives on the East Coast, though. Well, hey, CT, what is up? Come visit Gosh, us. Gosh, now I can't unsee it. I can't unsee it either, with the t- except for the tattoos all over yes. his face. That's not CT. No. Okay, I'll send this to you. Yeah, send it to me so I can link it in our show. <laughs> well, thanks, Becky. That was something. Yes, and if you have other Florida Doing meth stories, in your cow pajamas. Uh, I don't know if he was doing it, but he's selling just, it. Yeah, I think they were like on to Is him. it like an Uber Eats where it's like, bring me my meth? I don't know. And then he shows up in cow pajamas. Could you imagine? <laughs> okay, now what were you going to say if you have? Oh, any Florida Man stories, make sure you send them to live, laugh, murder, pod at Gmail. But put the title as Florida Man. Florida Man, so I know I'll get them and not you. Yes, because some people have sent us some stories and I don't want to look at them because I want Joanna to look at them and uh, weed them out and tell me the good ones. Yes. Okay, cool. All right, so do I need my song again? No, I, was, I mean, I love that. <laughs> I honestly start playing Christmas music November 1st. Well, okay. Today's story takes place at Christmas time. I'm going to okay. jump right in. Do it. Are you ready? Ready. True crime or movie plot? Let's see if you can figure it out. Well, I didn't do the last one, so let's hope I get this one. Yeah, our last up, ep- I'm not gonna. Our last few episodes, we haven't really been getting them. No, but I got the last one, the Westchester one. I said I don't want it to be real, but it is. Did you? Yes, I listened to it the again. We- the Cheshire, yes. Ch- Westchester's in Pennsylvania. Oh, that's whatever. <laughs> Cheshire, Connecticut. Yes. Okay, so we're going back to the. Oh, I gave it away. Oh, hopefully they already listened to it. Oh, oh. Okay. Sorry. Let's just. Hopefully, this isn't your first episode and you're like. Spoiler. Sorry. All right. Let's just keep going. Okay. All right. We're going back to the 70s again. Mm -hmm. My seemingly favorite place to tell stories from. Apparently. I know. The year in particular is 1974 and it is Christmas time, as I said. Picture a big, beautiful house on a nice, quiet street. Imagine snow lightly falling. It's night, so the Christmas lights are twinkling along the street. And we hear carols being played in the background. We're going to focus on one house on this street. It's particularly large. And the reason is, it's a sorority house. Mm. We are talking college town, baby, in Quebec, Canada. 
bad happens in Canada. Oh, well, something bad happens here in Canada. So, you know, it's nice and cold, especially. The college is on Christmas break, and we're going to focus on a short time period where some of the girls, like, decided to go home for break while some had to stay behind at the sorority house. Because they don't have family. Different. Well, some of them have to work, by the way. And, guys, if you hear a bird in the background... Just ignore it. Pretend it doesn't exist. I'm trying That's to what do I do that. every day. Anyway, uh, maybe okay. Maybe their families are busy for break, or the girls have to work. Whatever, like you said. Okay, so the house is starting to weed out a little bit. So the girls in the house are all best friends, right? Mm-hmm. Are they in a sorority house? I mean, I don't want to speak ill of sororities, so I would just keep moving on, please. Okay. Um, now zoom into the home in your mind and imagine the girls all hanging out drinking champagne, whiskey, just drinking. And the girls are kind of celebrating Christmas before some of them head off for the holiday. Okay. Okay. Some are packing and some are just drinking. Mm-hmm. Like that would be me. That would be like, hey, another. So I want to tell you the names of the girls so you can get a general idea of who we have here. Okay. I'm going to focus on four girls. Barb. This is the 70s. Okay. Claire. Your mom's name is Claire. Jess. Yeah. And Phil, like short for Philomena. And their house mom, who's an mm-hmm. older woman, who is just make sure that they stay alive, mm-hmm. right? Now, on the night in question, well, the first night of our epic disaster, as the party is ending, the house phone rings. Remember it's house phones? Scream. <laughs> no, God, no. Remember house phones? Yes. My parents still have one. <laughs> Do they? And we were visiting. Ella, the no- it would go off and Ella goes, what's that noise? Oh, my gosh. It's a house phone. So one of the girls answers the house phone and she is immediately put off because the person on the other end of the phone is like moaning and making terrible noises. Ooh. The girls gather around to try and listen because this is before house phones had like speakerphone. So they're okay. all like trying to listen, right? On cord. And the caller is apparently making, like, gurgling noises, noises of being in pain, and then starts saying creepy sexual things like, suck my big fat cock. (laughs) Naturally. And then he calls them all cunts. Okay. Okay. One of the girls, Barb, actually, excuse me, freaks out angrily, calls him a fucking creep, and before she hangs up on him, he tells the girls he's going to kill them. Barb and another girl kind of get into an argument after this because she was almost, like, taunting the guy, Barb Mm -hmm. was. It's just like a prank caller, right? Well, one of the girls named Claire, who I mentioned, is super innocent and sweet, and honestly, it scares her. So I didn't mention that there had been a rape in town nearly, or recently, Mm -hmm. so they're all kind of on high alert. Yeah. Okay. Now let me get more into Claire. Claire is meeting her father the next day, so she's supposed to be packing tonight. Her dad's coming to pick her up for Christmas break. So after the argument with Barb, Claire goes to do so, to pack, and Claire is never seen alive again after this evening. Prank caller. Her and Barb get in an argument. She tells Barb she's being too much. Barb tells her she's not being enough. Claire pieces out to go pack, and that's it. Nobody sees her ever again. Jeez. So to be Claire, to be clear, Claire does go to her room to pack, as we know, because her suitcase is later found ready to go. Came to the window. This night, the girls think Claire just went to bed pissed off because of her fight with Barb. So her not coming out the rest of the evening isn't a big deal. Yeah. The next morning, day two of our story, mm-hmm. okay, Claire's dad does show up to campus looking for her. He goes to their agreed-upon meeting spot, and obviously she doesn't show up. This is a time before cell phones, people. Well, yeah. And before pagers. Yeah. So he doesn't have many options. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Yeah. Joanna, ring, ring, ring. Joanna, you want to meet at the mall? Yeah, I'll be there. Meet me in front of Dillard's at four. 
I'll tell my mom drop me off. Will your mom pick us up? Okay, and if and if you don't see me there, just go across to the to the ice cream shop and I might be there. Like how did we live without How did we technology? survive? That's how we did it though. We had meeting spots. Yeah. All right. So her and her dad, she doesn't show up. He doesn't have options. So he just kind of stands there. Like his choices are stand there and wait or start asking around. Mm-hmm. And I I've done that. I've asked people like strangers for things when I was young. And this is what he does. Claire's dad, Mr. Harrison, begins asking random students walking by, hey, do you know Claire Harrison? Do you? Do you know Claire? Claire Harrison, my daughter? And he does land on someone, finally, a dude. <clears throat> a male student who does know her because he's in her brother fraternity. Okay. And this random dude leads Mr. Harrison to Claire's sorority house where he can continue to search for his daughter. <laughs> so from what I know from college, and I was never in a sorority, mind you, but I know that giving back is a part of sorority life. Mm-hmm. So when Mr. Harrison, Mr. Harrison says that when he arrived at the sorority house looking for Claire, it's chaos because there's a group of children there with a dress-up Santa getting presents. At so the sorority. At the sorority house. They're having like a party for kids now on this day, the remaining girls that are there. So they decide to stay, the remaining girls, over Christmas break and have like a toy drive okay. for local kids. So when he arrives, Mr. Harrison, he can't really track down someone to speak to because mm-hmm. it's chaotic. Everyone just kind of blows him off because they're busy. Mr. Harrison does decide toward that later afternoon to call his wife, Claire's mom. He tells her he's sure there's nothing to worry about and that Claire will turn up. He says tomorrow he will go to the police. It's mm. always tomorrow. If my if your child was missing, how long would it take for you? Would it take till tomorrow? Ten minutes, not even. Well, Seriously. I guess, I mean, it depends on the age, too. Like, if it was now, I'd be like, the minute I couldn't, if I didn't have to turn around, she wasn't there. Even, like, teenager, college age. Yeah. You were supposed to meet me this morning, and it's the afternoon, and I still haven't seen you or heard from you. I'm calling. I'm mm-hmm. going to the cops. That's it. So it's important to note that this evening, another creepy phone call comes in. This is a big part of the story. Okay. One of the girls I mentioned named Jess answers. Here's a girl's voice call for what she reports as someone named Billy, like over the phone. Then she hears a man's voice saying creepy things. She hangs up, you know, saying, you have the wrong number and hangs up on him. To me, there's two important things going on here. Your friend is nowhere to be seen and you're getting scary crank calls at home. Mm -hmm. I don't know if at 20 years old, I would have put those dots together, but at 37, mm, no, no, I know too much. I'm not messing around. Now, on the third day of our story, the police station is finally notified of Claire Harrison missing. Her father and two of her sorority sisters go to the station together to file a report. And guess what? You're going to guess? I know. I, <laughs> Chicken butt. <laughs> there's so many things going on in my head. I don't know. The cops don't take it seriously. Oh. Oh, the one girl, Jess, does decide to notify Claire's boyfriend that she is missing because she does have a boyfriend. And he is honestly shocked by the news. I'm telling you, the 70s are a wild time with, like, no cell phones and just not knowing what people are up to. Mm-hmm. Like... My girlfriend's missing and I don't know for two days just because I don't have a cell phone. Anyway, Claire's boyfriend does end up getting super involved and goes to the police station himself looking for help in finding his girlfriend. Even after her dad filed the report, he went himself to the police station asking questions, which is a good boyfriend. Mm -hmm. So Mr. Harrison is having a really hard time with all of this. The same evening that they filed her missing, he says he can't eat anything. He says he feels like he should be doing something, but he doesn't know why. The remaining girls are also really affected. Barb in particular, who, if you remember, is yeah. the one who was, like, taunting the prank caller on the phone and got into that argument with Claire, mm-hmm. feels like this whole thing is her fault. 
Like if she hadn't gotten into a dumb ass argument with Claire, maybe she wouldn't have stormed off and disappeared. Barb does have a drinking problem at this point in her life. But I mean, that's the 70s and it's college. So did she really? Yeah. I mean, that's just what they say. So those around her do, and this is just like an aside little thing. Like they do make comments to her like, maybe you should stop drinking all the time. And they just taunt her for it. And it's important to throw out. But overall, she feels like the whole thing is her fault, which it's not. But that's how she feels anyway. You know. So here we are. Day four Mm. of Claire being gone. And a 13-year-old local girl named Janice goes missing. 13. Mm. 13. This, of course, causes the cops to finally start paying attention. They decide to organize a search in the neighborhood and park near the place Janet went missing, which also corresponds with the location of the sorority house. Ooh. It's all in a Wait, close proximity. Wait, why is a 13-year-old in a college town? Well, in some college towns, the houses are like on local streets, mm. you know, not like in a campus. They unfortunately, they have to begin their search and it's at night because of when Janice went missing and when it all happened. And it's winter in Canada. What does that mean to you? Cold. <laughs> Snow. Yeah, all of that. But they pull out all the spot, the stops. They have search dogs, snowmobiles. <laughs> I don't even think I've ever been on a snowmobile. Hundreds of volunteers looking for Janice and Claire. This goes on well into the night. And people set up those like trash cans that you light on fire for warmth. <laughs> What are they? That's, I don't think there's a name for it. I think it's just like a barrel, garbage barrel on fire. There you go. So that evening, later in the night, a body is eventually found. And it's not Claire. Janet? Janice, yeah. Janice. Janice's body is found murdered. Janice, the 13-year-old, is found in the woods nearby, having been killed. The crazy thing, though, and spoiler alert, Janice going missing and being murdered has nothing to do with Claire's disappearance. Two different. Oh, wow. Okay. Totally different cases. Although the police are local and the local and the local community don't realize that, I'm telling you after the fact, they have nothing in common. So now I have to tell you something that I've kept secret this whole time. <laughs> okay. It's sinister and it's scary. Okay. Ooh. I'm not going to tell you. Tell me. No, I'm going to wait. I would. I know. I changed my mind. Let's keep going. (sighs) Okay. Don't be mad at me. So the evening after the search, Claire's dad is kind of like distraught because they found Janice. He can't really understand what's happening and where his daughter is. Rightfully so. Mm -hmm. I would be a mess. After the search and finding Janice, everyone kind of goes home. I want to switch you back to one of the girls I haven't really talked about much. As in most situations in life, many things happen at once, many moving parts. And it's not all about Claire missing. There's other important things happening. So I want to talk to you about Jess. I mentioned her being as one of the girls who answered the crank calls and hung up on the creep. The first time or the second time? The second time, yeah. Jess in the 1970s has many goals in her life, a lot she wants to accomplish. She also has a really talented piano player of a boyfriend named Peter. He has been studying and performing for years. So although he is insanely talented, he's kind of stuck in life as a pianist. It's called a pianist. It's no, it's a pianist. It's not a pianist. P- Come on, say it. A pianist. No, pianist. Are I'm you gonna, googling it? I'm gonna Google like how to say, say it. it. Yeah. How to hold, please. Just how put- to pronounce oh. pianist. <laughs> pianist. 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 One more time. Pianist. All right. You want to hear it again? No more. Pianist. So he is a pianist. Jess has big news. 
No one in her sorority house is aware, and she has to tell her boyfriend, Jess is pregnant. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) She doesn't want to keep the baby. She tells all of this to her boyfriend, and how do you think he responded in the 1970s? To not happy. What do you think a man at that time would say? Whore. Mm, she's a whore? Yeah, basically. But it's his. Oh, yeah, it's his baby. It's his fault. Why are you blaming Peter? You don't even know really what he said. What did You're he just say? getting mad at him because you know that's probably what he did. Jess says that Peter blamed her. It's her mm. fault. Takes I, two. Joanna's rolling her eyes. Takes two. Told her it's not her choice. It just makes me so mad. Talks down to her and tells her she's selfish. Okay. Mm-hmm. All pretty standard for the 70s. All bullshit. Jess isn't having it, though. She says that it is her choice, and she still has things she wants to pursue in life. And she is not in the place to have a baby. Good for her for doing what she thinks is right for her body. Peter, you suck. So even when Peter calms down, he proposes to her later. Jess says no and maintains her ground and says nope, and she turns him down. I think after him calling her selfish Mm. and telling her it was her fault, I don't think he's going to want to marry you after that. She's not going to want to marry you after that. But that was his parents' idea. (laughs) Right? Marry her. The reason I tell you about Jess and Peter's situation is because once the detectives get involved looking for Claire, they find out all about Peter and Jess, and they peg Peter as a person of interest. For Claire missing. Why? For Claire missing, for the prank calls that are creepy, even possibly for Janice, they almost feel like his anger about losing his baby and losing his girlfriend and feeling like a failure pianist make enough motive to start freaking out and just losing it. So this was this information was before the prank calls. Like she was It's all of- happening within the same few days. Okay. I, I, to be specific, the first prank call came. Jess happened to notify Peter of her pregnancy the next day. I don't think the that's, first that's day Claire was considered missing. Right? Now back to the present time that we're focusing on. Janice's body has been found. Claire's dad is a mess. Jess, Barb, and Phil are back home for the rest of the night. And the police are really involved now. The lead detective is now involved, and he comes to the house, inspects Claire's room, interviews everyone involved, and his name is Lieutenant Fuller, and he takes it all very seriously, finally. Finally. So much so that he decides to tap their phone, because he's really curious about the prank calls. The sorority's home. Uh, Yeah, at the sorority house. It's the prank calls that he's curious about because they haven't stopped, and they're increasing in their creepiness. So, do you remember what they said? The prank calls? They're going to kill somebody. Everybody in the house. Why wouldn't the girls just leave? Like, I know. Why are people so... St- this is- Hindsight is twenty twenty. Yeah. The prank calls are full of things like... It's it's really creepy. Like weeping, crying, screaming, moaning, calling the girls cunts, saying they're all going to die. Just like creepy stuff. And then it starts escalating to where... This is another thing I didn't mention. Where Lieutenant Fuller thinks Peter is a suspect is because one of the prank calls talks about a baby. It's like, mm. where's your baby... And then, like, almost, like, uses the word mommy and, like, taunts, his, taunts Jess in that way. Okay. So that's another thing. I forgot to say that part. My bad. It's just all nonsensical bullshit. Like, it really doesn't make sense. So to tap the call, a lineman has to actually go to the home to tap it physically. Okay. Lieutenant Fuller does give, like, a whole explanation of how the phone tap works. And I had to look it up because I was confused about this whole thing. So to tap a phone in 1974, when the phone would ring at the house... A phone at the police station would also ring so the cops could listen. But also, the linemen at the dispatch place where all the telephone poles, like, lines meet, 
gets a call too. So it's like three phones ringing at once. That's weird. Isn't that crazy? And it's so much more complicated than I ever knew. So when someone at the sorority house answers the phone, the cops are listening and the lineman is listening. But does the lineman have to answer? Like, or does it, like, do all three pieces have to be there? All three pieces have to connect, yeah, for it to be tapped properly. Now, further, the lineman has to trace the call. So the girls have to keep Mm -hmm. the line open for several minutes. And I'm used to, like, action movies where, like, a computer traces a call. Nope. The lineman has to, when he's on the line, physically walk through, I'm going to use the word warehouse. I don't know what it's called. Walk through the warehouse where all these telephone lines are directed from and trace by foot on like switchboards where the call is coming from. Sounds terrible. So that's why it takes so long. And Brett told me I was talking to him about this story and he's like, You're just used to movie magic. It's like in real life, (laughs) it's not that easy. I know. So, I mean, nowadays it is, but then it wasn't. It's very complicated. I probably did a terrible job explaining, but I think you get it. So they also place a police car outside of the sorority house. So they're like, they're ready. Yeah, but what about the back door, side doors? I I know. It is, what is that called? Like false security. Sense of of security. But it it works. It helps you rest at least. The girls do get two more calls during that evening, but they're not long enough to trace. Like they even call Jess and like, Jess, you got to try harder and just like, what can I do? Like, you know, more disturbing prank calls, all the same scary stuff. So I want to tell you one more thing before I make you decide if this is a movie or a true crime case. But only two people have died, but they're not related. Correct. So this is what I was going to say before, but held back a few minutes ago. Where I said, okay. Since the night Claire has been missing, that very evening of the Christmas party where many of the girls left for break, the first night of our story, there was a man who climbed the trellis of the house up to the attic of the home and mm. has been hiding out this whole time in the attic along with these girls. <sighs> This man has climbed through the hatch from the attic into the home, and the reason Claire went missing is because he hid her. He hid inside her closet, and seeing her packing for her family trip, used a plastic garment bag from her dry cleaning to suffocate her. The man took Claire, unbeknownst to the rest of the house, up to the attic, and has had her dead body there this whole time. They couldn't smell it? It's only been a couple days, so no. I feel like a body would... I don't know. So? You gonna play the Christmas song again? (laughs) (laughs) Movie plot or true crime case? (laughs) You're so stupid. (laughs) I have a lot more to tell you, but what do you think? Give it to me. A movie. You think it's a movie? You are correct! Yay! Joanna! Yay! Give me a high five. You finally got one. Hey, I got the other one two weeks ago or whatever. <laughs> a month ago. A month ago. <laughs> it's okay. You did awesome. Yes, this is a movie. This is the 1974 movie titled Black Christmas. Is it on Netflix? No. I think it's on Amazon Prime. Don't look it up yet. I have Amazon Prime. Then you can uh, rent it on Amazon Prime for $1.99 like Ew. I did. Now, <laughs> I don't like free movies. Now that you know... Now you know I have more details for you, but I first need to give you some facts that are really cool about the movie, okay? First of all, it was a suggestion from another badass podcast titled Till Death Do Us Part. So Melissa, one of the hosts of that podcast, reached out to me on Instagram, and she said she thought I'd like it. And Melissa, I loved it. It was a good movie? I, it's a 70s slasher movie, so it's right up my alley. Oh, okay. I lo- it's a slasher. I 
freaking loved it. Black Christmas was directed by Bob Clark and written by A. Roy Moore. It inspired the 1978 Halloween. It inspired that. And it had two remakes, which I watched one of. There was one in 2006 with uh, the girl who played Gretchen in... (laughs) Oh, yeah. Mean Girls. Lacey Chabert. What's her name? I don't know. I think that was her in the movie. And there was a remake in 2019 that I haven't watched yet, but I will. Black Christmas. Black Christmas. So I'll give you my personal rating after I spoil the ending for you. Okay? All right. So here. I mean, I still, I'm, I'm the type of person who, if I know it's scary, I need to know what happens at the end. All right. Well, I'm, so here we go. Here's the spoilers. If I'm going to give you the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. So this is your time to pause and go watch the movie if you'd like. Otherwise, if you don't care, I'm spoiling the ending. So right along. I'm here. All right. First of all, the house mom is a complete drunk. <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> what's that? What, the 2019 one? What's the one? There was a remake in 2019. I haven't watched that yet, I think yet, it's... Though. What's her name is in it? You keep talking. Okay. So she's a total drunk, and I glazed over her, but she's so funny. Throughout the movie, she looks in random places, like the bathroom, her bedroom closet, a bookcase, all has hidden booze, <laughs> like liquor bottles. And if I was a house mom for a bunch of 21-year-olds, I'd be doing the same thing. Seriously. Does she stay on the at the house? Well, I'm going to tell you. Yeah, she does live... She has her own room. I've seen... Okay, keep going. No, I want to wait till you're ready. Focused. There was a movie. I <coughs> swore it was like a sorority house and the mom... It was like a party house. There's been so many movies like that. And people went missing. I, th- again, so many movies like that. This movie, though, inspired a lot of others. This was like an original. So back to our story. Claire is in the attic with a garment bag around her head. Dead. She has been propped up in a rocking chair. So every now and then you they show you the attic and it's just like... She's like a doll propped in her hands. It's very creepy. The killer is in there with her a lot of the time. The girls have a cat throughout the movie who is trapped in the attic with Claire's body. And we see the cat licking her dead face. That's what cats do. Ah, they'll eat you. The cat's name is Claude, by the way. As the story goes on, the house mom... And I apologize because I don't really think they ever said her name. She looks for the cat. So from below, because it's in the attic, she hears the cat meowing from above her head. So she realizes, she's like, how did you get up there, Claude? From the attic up top. So she decides to climb like this random ass ladder that's attached to the wall. And it goes to the ceiling hatch into Mm -hmm. the attic. And I can't help but think, if that hatch is so small that you climb, how did people get furniture up in there? Like, how did you fit a rocking chair through that hatch? And, you know, you see all these old movies and, like, the show Charmed, but they did have a staircase with a door that led to the attic. But, like, how do you get full steamer trunks and old mirrors and beds up through those hatches into the attic? Yeah, because they're very small. And I honestly have had nightmares about this. <laughs> that, like, I fit into a conf- go through a confined space into, like, a large area and there's all this furniture. I'm like, how did you- They built it around the furniture. Around the old furniture? Anyway, so the hatch is big enough for a human to get through, and it's just whatever. I have haunting and vivid dreams. It doesn't matter. Another story for another time. So an old drunk grandma lady goes up there. The killer is hiding in the attic. She's looking for the cat. He sees her coming. So drunkity grandma sees Claire's body in the rocking chair. Before she can even scream, the killer hooks her with a hook and kills her. And it's gross, and it's awesome. At the same time. So now we've got two dead bodies up there. Sad thing is, everyone assumed drunk grandma was leaving for Christmas. Oh, no. So when she is, you know, gone, they just don't go looking for her. Her taxi had even shown up and she just never came out. So let's go back to Jess and the phone being tapped by the police. Jess waits by the phone for the next call and the police do too. On the same night of Janice's body being found, the phone being tapped, Jess waiting by the phone to try and track down the creep, Barb is sent to bed drunk. 
like stumbling drunk. Jess hears Barb wake up in her bed like freaking out. So Jess runs to her room to check on her. She can't breathe and she needs her inhaler. So Jess helps her. And Barb says she had a nightmare. Someone's in my room. I had a nightmare that someone was in my room. Joanna, why are you looking at me like that? Because he's in there. After some consoling by Jess, she leaves. Barb goes back to sleep. And she's dead. Mm. Since it's Christmas time, carolers are outside singing. And Jess went and opened the door and listens happily to kids and teens singing Christmas carols. While her friend is being... And I'm thinking, what time is it? What time is this now? Six. PM. So much has happened. Is it like three in the morning? Janice was found dead after they did a search. They tapped the phones. And now there's carolers. Like, is how dark does it get oh, in Canada? Oh, this is one day? Yes. Well, like, it gets like four. They're high up there. I guess in winter it would. It could start. I mean, like this same night is still going on. Seasonal depression. <laughs> no wonder. While the carolers are out there, there's a man walking around the house. He goes into Barb's room. She wakes again in time to see him holding a knife. He stabs her to death in her bed while Jess is smiling and listening to Christmas carolers. Then her phone rings and she runs back inside and it's the weeping man again. The cops are on the line. The line man is trying to trace it, but the creep hangs up too soon. Lieutenant Fuller calls Jess to say they didn't get it. There wasn't enough time. The caller's inside the house. Why are you saying that? Because that's all scary movies. Scream was calling from inside the house. Oh. <sighs> I'm going to keep going. (sighs) Jess now has no clue Barb has been murdered in her bed. But you know who does know that Barb is dead? Their friend, Phil. Do you know how Phil knows? Because Phil... Phil (laughs) Phil is the last girl aside from Jess alive. She went to check on drunk-ass Barb to find her dead. And dum-dum-dum. Wait. Dun-dun-dun. What is it? (laughs) Dun-dun-dun. I don't know. The murderer was still inside Barb's room and kills Phil as well, two in one. And he, again, props them in the bed, like, very creepily. So let's wrap this up a little bit. Okay. Here we go toward the ending. Claire and drunk grandma are in the dead, er, in the dead, in the attic dead. Barb and Phil are in Barb's room dead. And Jess is manning the phone for the cops and is in constant communication with them, completely unaware of what's happening inside her house. And yeah, the cops are outside. Could you imagine? I can't. Just being in a house and there's four dead people. You have no idea. Jess gets another call, the final call of our story. And it's just as creepy as all the others. The cops are able to finally trace it. And guess what? In the house. The calls are coming from inside the house. I knew it. How do you know? You're so smart. When the station cop goes to call. Now, Jess doesn't know this. The line man finds out. Line man. Line man finds out first. Has to call the the police station. The police station has to radio Lieutenant Fuller in his car. You know, like it's a whole. Yeah. 70s, man. When they finally get to this loop around and call Jess at the house and say, Jess, you need to get out of the house. Walk out. Lieutenant's going to be there meeting you in five minutes. Just get out of the house. Why five minutes? Because he's not there yet. He's driving to go, like, save her. You're stressed out. So the sheriff in charge of calling Jess was instructed by Lieutenant Fuller to not scare her, just to tell her, walk out, leave. Yeah. He botches it. Ugh. He says, Jess, the killer's in the house. You, you got to go. And she's like, but my friends, but Barb, but Phil. She, it's just the whole thing gets botched. She tries to stay and save her friends. She screams for a while and then feels brave enough to go into Barb's room where she finds a bloody Barb and Phil dead laying together on the bed. She escapes to the basement. <sighs> Why not just leave? The- 
It's like all scary movies. They run up the stairs. <laughs> this is where they came from. Like, this movie inspired a lot of all that bullshit that we're used to. You look just <sighs> exhausted from this. So she goes to the basement. and Naturally. In, and in enters her boyfriend, Peter. Jess's boyfriend, Peter, looking for her. Jess, are you okay? Oh, what are you doing down in the basement? Jess. Now, and I say it like that because in the 70 movies, they all talk like that. Are you okay down there? Now, the cops had warned her telling her that they thought Peter was suspicious. Yeah. And it is real suspicious that he shows up during this pivotal time. So after a battle between Jess and Peter, she kills him with a fire poker. <laughs> oh, my gosh. The cops find her holding his dead body. And they're, you know, they almost, they praise her, like, good job, you saved yeah. yourself. Before the movie ends, you see the, the killer. killer is still alive, weeping in the attic. His name is, re- is revealed as Billy but that's it. We never see his face. We never learn the motive, and he never gets caught. And that's the end of the movie. Oh, that was so stressful. It's so stressful. Now, I want to tell you something cool and what's special about this movie. Okay. It was one of the first slasher movies, first of all. And you never actually see the killer or learn his motive, which is makes it more scary mm-hmm. in a way. Because you're left to your own imagination to figure out why this all happened, which is, like, worse. And then also, this movie was the very first movie to have scenes from the killer's point of view. So, like, you see his hands climbing the trellis. You see him murdering, but you never see his... Like, it's like you're looking out from his eyes. So it was the first movie to do that. I can so. definitely see a lot of inspiration coming from right? this. Right? Because it has a lot of, tropes. like, Scream. It has some Michael Myers. Mm-hmm. It's got a lot of that. All that stuff. It's one hour, 38 minutes. Okay. So it's perfect length. It was really cool for the time. So my rating... Mm-hmm. Well, la- last time I gave you IMDb's rating, which I liked. IMDb yeah, you gives gave it, it the exact same. I know. They give it a 7.1 out of 10. Okay. Personally, I loved it. So for me... 3.5 out of 5? Same thing. 4, four <laughs> out of 5. I gave it a 4 out of 5. I loved it. Okay. I thought it was great. So I love slasher movies, though. It's right up my alley. Is it black and white? No, it's in color. It's obviously in color. So Melissa... From Till Death Do Us Part podcast. Thank you so much. Wait, when was this movie recorded? In the 70s or? 1974. It's when it came out. Okay. So I think I'm just going to let this ride out with us. <laughs> this, this, now I'm going to hear the song in November and be like, oh, dang it. <laughs> Let's turn that down a little bit. On that note, reach out on Instagram, Live Laugh Murder Podcast. Yes. Nine cusses. Come in closer. Nine cusses. Whoa, now you're yelling. Well, you said come closer. I'm annoyed. Well, you you cuss too. Not this, not this episode. I don't, whatever. I the last care. one I said hell. I don't even care anymore. Let's, sure. I'm going to be who I am. And I, I'm not judging you. I'm just No, you're you really know. not. <laughs> I just think it's funny. <laughs> I just love the one comment we had on Patreon where I did my Ed Kemper episode. And she says, I missed the cuss count because <laughs> 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 you weren't there. All right, guys. Gmail us. Live, laugh, murder pod at gmail.com. Dot org dot edu. That's not true. So <laughs> gmail.com. All right. Love you guys. Love you. Bye. Bye. Love you. Mean it.